Welcome, everyone, <laughs> to another episode of Opera for Everyone. I'm Pat Wright. And I'm Keely Heron. And we are so excited today to be doing this opera. <laughs> Yay, Mozart. Yay, Mozart. That was an amazing overture. Uh, that, and sounded kind of familiar, don't you think? It is played, uh, yeah, just as a piece of orchestral music, just as it, it appears in a lot of modern day culture. Which Media. is why it sounds so familiar to yeah. us. Yeah. It's wonderful, though. Boy, that Mozart, he could write music, huh? <laughs> yes. So we're listening today to Le Nozze de Figaro. The Marriage of Figaro. The Marriage of Figaro. And you may be familiar with that overture from many different things, but it appeared in The King's Speech. The really? Film. Yeah. I liked that movie. I did, too. And uh, if anyone remembers the plot of the film, it was... Um, the, the king had a little bit of a, a hesitation to speak in public, and so he was seeing a speech therapist, and this song was used as in one of his uh, first uh, appointments with the speech therapist. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, it would put anyone in a good mood, huh? And I think it really sets the tone for this particular opera. Um, you know how we've talked about different styles of opera before, and um, that... Uh, uh, opera comedic, uh, uh, the comic, comic. Thank you. Opera isn't necessarily comic, but that it's sung. And but this is this is in fact comic opera buffa, right? So this this is comic. Although, as you see, we'll see when we go through the story, there are some serious moments. Yeah, it's not a total. It's not a total romp, as some of the Mozart operas can be. Just Wait, very what? very funny. It it yeah it's it's it reminds pretty, me it's, of it's a bit of a romp though <laughs> it, it well it is but there's also you know I mean there's some serious stuff there is some serious stuff but like it reminded me a lot of Cosi Fantuti which is another Mozart opera yes yes um, but it does have some of the same themes that show up in Don Giovanni another Mozart uh, by the way all three of these with the same librettist Lorenzo de Ponti yes same librettist and some of the same themes show up in all three of the operas although all of them are taken from pre-existing stories. Right. And so the the interesting thing about The Marriage of Figaro yes. is it's based on a play. A play. By Pierre Beaumarchais. Beaumarchais. And Does that name ring a bell to well, anyone? Well, it doesn't ring a bell to me. But I have to say, when I saw his name, it rang a bell. And do you know why it rang a bell for me? Tell me. Well, I about a year and a half ago, I read a fabulous book by Stacey Schiff, the Great Improvisation. Um, and the short explanation for that would be it's about Franklin's time in Paris. Benjamin Franklin. Uh, excuse our me. Our founding father. The founding father, Benjamin Franklin, uh, goes to Paris to help secure financial aid for the American independence cause. And uh, Beaumarchais shows up throughout the, certainly the beginning chunks of the book. and um, And he's sort of one of these local Frenchmen who's trying very hard to uh, become close to the Americans because he's trying to f secure funds to help the American independence cause. And the Americans are in desperate need of this, although the American delegation headed by Franklin, John Adams is there also. Jefferson doesn't show up till later. Thomas Jefferson. Right. <laughs> um, but Beaumarchais is this character who's there and he's he's trying to make it happen with money. And it's a little less clear you know, how successful he's going to be. And, and ultimately, it doesn't end well for him. But 
Um, but they keep dismissing him as as this playwright or, right. you know, he keeps being referred to dismissively as this playwright, which is why I, you know, once I saw the name and like the little dark recess of my brain tried to pull him back. The bells went off. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I did look that up and I was reminded, oh, that's that guy. Pierre Beaumarchais. But and I, he was a, when we were just talking earlier, mm-hmm. he was a polymath. So he wasn't just a playwright. He did no, a bunch of different stuff. Oh, yeah. Watchmaker? Watchmaker, as his father was. As his father was, and that became his stepping stone to elevate himself in society. But he he had a a great entrepreneurial sense as well. And he also had the ideological sense that he really believed Mm. in the cause of American independence, which was a little radical uh, in France at the time. I mean, the French do jump on board, Mm. ultimately, because... Not because they believe, you know, the French king doesn't believe in the cause of the American Revolution, but he believes in doing anything to um, hurt Great Britain, which losing these colonies would do. I see. So it's, I mean, there's wonderful history there, um, wonderful history, but... um, Which is why I'm so grateful that you do this show with me, Pat, (laughs) because I have absolutely no idea about any of this, and I, I say I learn something new every time. Well, well... I mean, it's just, and hopefully our many, many listeners do as well. That is our hope. <laughs> and, and, and more importantly, our main goal is for everyone to have fun with opera and realize that these stories are so rich and they're so ever, fun. They're evergreen. They're timeless stories that are yeah. told over and over again in film and, and modern day media. Right. And, and most of the operas that we've looked at so far anyway are based on a prior story, mm-hmm. a prior play, and they, they are given this, you know, depending on the quality of the composer's work, and in Mozart's case, you know, A++, <laughs> um, and they live on and on and on. So, you know, Beaumarchais, who who might have been a little bit more forgotten, is remembered as, as the author of this story, as well as... The Barber of Seville, which right. was the prequel to The Marriage of Figaro. Yeah. And you know what I thought was interesting? I was talking about um, this with... Uh, a friend yesterday, um, the that the famous song Figaro, Figaro, Figaro right. is not from the Marriage of Figaro. Yes, that's true. It is true. in fact from the Barber of Seville. Yes, where we first are introduced to the two characters, Figaro, who is a barber, which back in those days meant also like you know, bloodletter or crazy slash doctor thing, and then uh, Count um, Almaviva. Yes. And yes. they know each other. And then also uh, the other characters are uh, Bartolo and... Uh, and the Countess. And the Countess and uh, Don Basilio. Yes. So we meet several of the characters in uh, The Barber of Seville that we will meet uh, throughout and, and this episode of Opera for and, and even though Beaumarchais wrote both these stories... Mozart didn't do both the op- operas. He did he did Marriage of Figaro. And then Barbara of Seville was done by... Rossini. Rossini. In 1816. This Mozart opera is composed and, and... Or actually it receives... I think composed and receives its first production in well, 1786. 1786. And I think... Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Pat, but the story behind these three operas that Mozart did with Lorenzo de Ponti, which was... Don Giovanni, Marriage of Figaro, and Così fan tutti. Yes. Uh, what I had read was that as quickly as Lorenzo di Ponti could do the words, the right. libretto, Mozart would bang out the opera in like two weeks. 
Mozart was a special, special guy. <laughs> yeah, he could he could really he could produce. Yeah, he could produce, which is good because he didn't he didn't live a, a terribly long life. Um, so it's worth thinking about these dates for just a second. Seventeen eighty six is when this opera receives its premiere, um, and that's in Vienna, by the way. It's not um, it's not in Paris, although in Paris. Um, it ultimately is uh, the the play um, in Paris because Beaumarchais, of course, is French. The play in eighteen, excuse me, seventeen eighty one. So five years prior, um, initially it's it's fine, but it is banned by the king. Oh, because of the themes being sort of critical of the aristocracy, right? Yeah, Louis and Louis the Sixteenth. And for any of you history buffs out there, when you think of the seventeen eighties in France and Louis the Sixteenth. You're immediately reminded. I think of furniture. Of, no, you should be thinking of the French Revolution. 1789 is when that explodes. Yeah, and I also stage. think of cake. Marie Antoinette? Yes. Yeah, that one. <laughs> well, Marie Antoinette was quite a fan of the play. She thought it was great fun. Well, because she likes to party. Because she's she was a bit of a partier. Um, so it's not, it's not banned forever by Louis XVI. It comes back. It's banned for a period of about three, four years. It, it, it is the ban is lifted at his wife's urging in 1784. Um, but it's interesting. It was controversial right from the start because it is, and you'll see as we go through the show, it is critical of the aristocracy. Mm-hmm. It is very critical of the aristocracy and, and makes them kind of look silly or not as clever yes. as their underlings. Because mm, they get fooled. Yeah. Absolutely. They can be played. So just to set up the story a yes, little bit. Yes, so yes. part of the reason that it is the uh, the Barber of Seville and the Marriage of Figaro is Beaumarchais did spend some time in Spain. He did. And so that yes. was a little bit of the inspiration for uh, the characters and the storyline. Right. Because, and... because Barber of Seville, of course, is set in Seville, but so is Marriage of Figaro. Right. Yeah. Right. And so... Um, they, you know, the, he he does the story based on his experience in 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 Spain, um, and yeah, that's all I got to say about that. Nope. That's why it's set in Spain. Well, maybe we should listen to um, the introduction of our our two beloved characters, yes. Figaro and Susanna. Yes, and this also is a fairly well known uh, aria. Um, yeah, it's um, uh, Cinque. So this is Figaro, and he is um, singing about uh, the size of the room that has been given to him by Count Almaviva, and he's measuring it out for his marriage bed in Marriage of Figaro on Opera for Everyone.
Ding, ding, dong, dong. What's that all about, Keely? Uh, I think the mistress needs something. Yeah? She's ringing the bell. Or perhaps it's the count. But I think they're, aren't they, they're talking about when they ring the bell. Oh, didn't it ring? Not yet. Not yet. So what is Susanna concerned about? You know, we knew that Figaro was concerned about whether or not this fabulous bed is going to fit in their new room when they get married. Yeah, well, she got a new hat. Yeah, and she wants to be admired in her hat. And she's like, aren't I so pretty? And she's a little annoyed about the whole bed in the room. Do you remember why? Well, because they're so close to their masters. And 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 he's saying, well, if they ring, isn't this great? It'll be easy. We can just go, you know, I can serve the count. You can serve the countess. Mm -hmm. And she's like, "Um, buddy, have you thought this through? Right. Because if we're that close to them. Yeah. 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 So she's noticed that the Count has eyed her. Yeah. With some interest. Mm -hmm. A little lust in his heart. He's looking her up and down like she's a steaming drumstick. (laughs) Here we go with that image again. (laughs) It's so true. Yes, he is. He is. He is. And that is that is key to the entire plot of this show. Yeah. So she's concerned that they're so that they're so close. Yes. And, um, you know, she says, my lord, the count, weary of pursuing beauties from far and near, wants to try his luck again within his own castle walls. But it is not his wife, mind you, who whets his appetite. 
Right, right. And interestingly, while they're having this little song, um, she says, um, you know, Figaro, wake up, my friend. Do you think my dowry was given because the Count likes you so much? And Figaro says, well, yeah, I kind of thought yeah, so. Yeah, we're like old friends. We're really good friends. And she's like, buddy, he gave it in the hope that he would have a few half hours of dalliance with his feudal right. And Figaro's like, no, 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 no. He, he, he abolished that right. Yeah, and we, he, they're referring to the right of prima nota, right? Like the, yes. the droit de seigneur. Droit de seigneur, yes. Which and is it, like the Lord's... Yes, uh, explain to us what that is, would you? Well, as far as I know, yes. it's the, uh, if you're a landowner, if you're a wealthy landowner and you're landed gentry and you have staff and servants and all that. And, and you're the lord your, of your domain. And then all the women who get married yes. within your domain yes. uh, first get to spend the night with you before they get to spend the night with their husband. That's right. Did I get that right? You did. Yes. They are deflowered by the... Uh, by the lord. By the lord. So, so there's some power, assertion of power going on here. I mean, in our... You could, you know... <laughs> Discrepancy of power mm-hmm. is is we I mean we're talking about that in the news these days mm-hmm. in terms of men taking advantage of women mm-hmm. and so but this is an old sanctioned form of that yeah they were like this is actually a thing it has a name yeah and droit de seigneur you know the, like droit d r o i t is right is right it is it is his right because he is in charge of everything right down to the bride's virginity mm-hmm. but. Even in the 18th century, when this is being composed and written about, it is seen as abominable. Controversial. Yeah, by by most folks. This mm-hmm. is this is not right. And they're saying, and Figueroa says, what are you talking about? He's he's an enlightened count. He he abolished the Dois de Seigneur, which which he did. But Susanna's like, um, have you noticed how he's looking at me? Right. Have you so noticed? So even though he officially abolished yes. it, he's like hoping that he can just kind of do it under. Yes. She's under in fact the radar. she says. Well, he may regret now having abolished it because I think he intends to redeem that right with me. And Figaro's not entirely believing this because he's been a, a long-serving man under the count. And he's like, oh, no, he's a good guy. Yeah, but Susanna's perceptive. Right. She she knows what's going on. So what is going on? It's their wedding. It's their wedding day. It's Sanchez. de Figaro. And they're getting ready and she's got this pretty hat and he's measuring for the bed and yeah. they're they're in the um in their house essentially that Well, they're in their room. In their of room the, yeah. that that the count has has graciously given to them. Yes. And yes, they're preparing yes. and this aria that's kind of coming up underneath is uh is a new character being introduced. It's Bartolo. Who's who, Bartolo? Bartolo is um, also a character that had been introduced in The Barber of Seville. Mm-hmm. And he's a doctor. Yes. And he's a practicing lawyer. And he, um, uh, it will be potentially revealed later, yeah, his no, importance. Don't, no, no spoilers. No spoilers. No, I'm not going to spoil it. I'm not going to spoil it. But he appears with uh, his maid uh, housekeeper, Marcelina, yes. who is a who's a spinster, and um, he comes in and is talking about revenge. Yes, why is, why does he want revenge? Um, because back in the Barber of Seville days, yes. he was in love with Rosina, who is Countess Almaviva. 
Oh, so he was in love with the woman who ultimately became the Count. The Count's wife. Oh. And he wants to exact revenge on the Count. Well, and I believe, wasn't Figaro an accomplice? He was. So he's he's a little annoyed at Figaro as well, mm-hmm. because he helped the Count yes. steal away. And so, and he's a doctor, but he's also a lawyer. Yes. Kind of in the conflagration of duties yes. in, back in the day. Yes. And so he's saying, um, you know, all, all of Seville knows Bartolo, and the scoundrel Figaro shall be overcome. Yes. He's going to get revenge. And this is Marcelina that we're hearing underneath. And she's saying, um, uh, you know, don't worry, Bartolo, we'll get revenge. And yes. uh, and um, she's trying to ply Susana uh, to get to get some help. Oh, wonderful. And I think there's a very pretty duet that's coming up with Susana and Marcelina. It is. And what's it called? It's called... La Vendetta. La Vendetta. Wonderful. Let's um, let's listen to... No, no, we're not listening to La Vendetta. That's Bartolo. It's uh, Via Resti Servita. Oh, yeah. Via Resti Servina. Servita. What does it mean? Go on. I'm your servant. Marcelina says that to Susana? Yeah, she says, go on. I'm your servant, magnificent lady. This is not straight-faced, by the way. This right. is sarcastic. And so she curtsies. And Susanna says, I would not presume so much, sharp-witted dame. No, you go first, says Marcelina. No, 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 after you, says Susanna. No, you, no, you. And I'm bored with this already. Oh, no, it, they're actually making quite good fun of each other. Let's Let's take a listen to that one. Okay. Yeah. 
Well, I believe we've just got a new character on the scene. Yes, Cherubino. Cherubino? Like a cherub, like a little yes, cherub. He's a he's a little cherub, and this is uh, this was my first introduction, I believe, to the uh, the trouser role. The trouser role, yeah, yeah, which is generally played by a a mezzo. Yes, a mezzo soprano. Which not is... not always. Sometimes I've read, although I think currently it's usually a mezzo. Sometimes a a, a full on soprano. But uh, Cherubino here. Cherubino. So it's a woman playing a, a young man. Yes, yes. And he is... Uh, in 18, s- 19, something like that here. Yeah, and he, he maybe is Susanna's cousin. I don't know if that's true or not. They don't have a romantic relationship, but they have a very warm, familial relationship. Yes, and the Countess is his godmother. And But she's kind of sweet on him. Yes. Yeah, she kind of yes. digs him. And so... Well, he, he's adorable. Yeah. He's adorable. Adorable. He's a little gorgeous little face. And, yeah. yeah. Cherubino, Cherubino. Just like the name implies. And so Marcelina and Susanna are, are going back and forth about, uh, you know, I don't know what, like Susanna's wedding day and all this kind of stuff. Well, then, because because we, we should probably point out why Marcelina's a little annoyed with met. Susanna. Why well, because she, she wanted to marry Figaro. Marcelina is sweet on Figaro and would like to marry him, not Susanna. And she loaned him money. And she has this document, hence the lawyer. Yes. That says, if you don't pay me back all this money I owe you. You have to marry me. You're contracted to marry me, yeah. So that's why she's kind of catty with Susanna. Sticking it to Susanna. Okay, so Cherubino comes in and and they're talking about... um, Another character that Cherubino likes. Yes, who does Cherubino like? Barbarina. Barbarina. And Barbarina is the gar- uh, the gardener's daughter. And she's quite young. Quite young. She's Appropriately sh- young for Cherubino, though, right? Well, arguably, maybe even a little too young. Oh. I mean, I, I, it's hard to say. I, I, I didn't read this in the libretto, but I read elsewhere that she's like 14. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if he's 18 back in or... That- era, wouldn't that have been kind of normal-ish? I, you know, I can't speak to that completely. I mean, but, but you know, 14, you know, you're just a hair's breadth away from 16 at that point. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but she's she is young and she is, she comes off as kind of childish in the show as well. Yes. But, um, but having a lot of fun with the whole falling in love thing. Okay. And so um, the next Cherubino, who's a bit, has tendencies to besotment. He's yeah. besotted with the countess. He's, you know, he's really just quite... Girl crazy. He's girl crazy. He he is happy for the attention of any female. And so that's that's the track that we're going to listen to next, isn't it? It's oh, the, wonderful. It's the Cherubino's aria, kind of introducing himself and talking about who he is and how he's so crazy. And this is non so pu, which means I no longer know. And he says, I no longer know what I am and what I do. I'm all fire. Every woman changes my temperature. Every woman makes my heart beat faster. And this is Cherubino singing Non So Piu in Mozart's The Notte di Figaro on Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. Jackson.
Susanna, tu mi sembri agitata e confusa. Un momento e ti lascio due parole. Tu sai che ambasciatore a Londra il re mi dichiarò di condurre con Figaro destinai. Parla, parla mia cara, e con quel dritto che oggi prendi su me, finché tu vivi chiedi, imponi, prescrivi. Well, I hear a much lower voice than Cherubino. Who is that, Keely? That's the Count. The Count? The Count. The Lord of the Manor. Count Almaviva. Yeah? And he's a baritone, isn't he? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. The baddies in opera are always baritones and well, basses. Or, yeah, or actually I've, I've read that he can... I'm not sure about this particular edition, but he's either a baritone or a bass baritone. But, mm-hmm. So... Lower, lower range. Lower range. Not lowest, but lower. So he, Figaro, by the way, is a is a bass. Which, oh, is he? I thought it was a tenor. No, he's not a tenor, which is unusual. We're so used to the leading man. Being a tenor. Being a tenor. Um, so huh. great cheers for the bass. There you go. Um, but he, he shows up here, and uh, you know, Cherubino, who is just singing about, the, you know, the fact that, that all the women just excite and delight him. As the Count is coming in, Cherubino hides. And so this is the play, the the opera, in which you always need a very large chair. Yeah, even in like the pictures, there's always the chair is there because people are always hiding behind it. And also a closet. People are always hiding in a closet. You need a closet and you need a large chair because Cherubino has to hide behind this chair. Now, Cherubino's not a particularly large person, but he is a person. Um, And he hides behind this chair. And um, when the Count first comes in, he sits in the chair. And Cherubino, you know, with the comic effect can be played up beautifully here, can kind of peek around and remain unseen by the Count. But he's ha- hiding. And what happens when the, when the Count comes in? He's talking with Susanna. And is Susanna happy to have his attentions? Well, no, because she wants to get married to Figaro. And, and the Count's like, always coming around like... Please leave. Yeah. Please go out. Please but- leave. He just he he says that the 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 king has named him ambassador to London, and that uh, he wants to take Figaro with him. And and Susanna is not super pleased about that because you know she's getting married, and now the count's going to take her to London. No, no well, he's going to take Figaro to Figaro London. to London, but she's supposed to come as well. And she's like, it's just uh, a ploy. It's yeah. just a ploy for him to be with me, away from his wife, right? Away from the spying eyes of the entire entire castle. And so um, he's he's trying to convince her, and she says, "Please, please leave." And um, and some other characters start to come in, and the other characters start to come in, and, and Count's like, "Oh no, I can't be seen here." And Susanna, you know, he wouldn't leave when she asked, but once other people start to come in, he he says, "Oh no, I better hide." So in the meantime, Cherubino, clever little young fellow that he is scoots around to the front of the chair and there's a dress that Susanna has been working with on the edge of the chair pulls the dress over him to right, hide, hide him, him. You know, so it looks like there's just a piece of drapery over the so now Basilio yeah. enters who is the music teacher right and so he comes in and then the Susanna S- a simpering annoying yeah, little man yeah he's not great no he's I mean that's his role yeah no, 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 no disrespect to the performer but he's just like a simpering 
um, toady for the Count. He just wants to ingratiate himself with the Count. But meanwhile, Count doesn't want to be found in this in this serving woman's room. So the Count hides behind the chair. And... Cherubino hides under a dress on the front of the chair. So we've got two people hiding in the same chair, one in the front, one in the back. Cherubino, of course, knows that the Count is there. The Count has no idea that Cherubino's there. Cherubino may be a young man. He is nevertheless a man. Right. So... Um, so Pasilo enters, and what what's Pasilo's deal? Why is he there? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> he says, he says, well, the Count is looking. Uh, Figaro is looking for the Count, and she says, oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> Pasilo has I have heard never heard it preached that he who loves the wife should hate the husband. The Count loves you, Susanna. So he's kind of trying to be the right-hand man for the Count. He's trying to get the Count, or sorry, he's trying to get Susanna to yield. Trying to soften her up. Yeah. Yeah. And she's just, get out, vile minister of others' lechery. And he said, oh, but I thought you would have preferred as your lover, as all the other women in the world do, a lord who's liberal and prudent and wise, as opposed to a raw youth. Referring to Figaro, the man she's about to marry. Oh, not Cherubino. No, no, no. So she, she is insulted. I mean, Susanna is is quite, an, I think, uh, a fun and admirable feminist character. Yeah, she's, so she's likable within within the context of her society. She really, she tries to make it all work. Um, but so she's just like, oh, I'm so sorry. The mere page, the royal youth, is Cherubino. You're right. You're right. Right. So, so, but at any rate, he, he, he doesn't really much care about Figaro or Cherubino, Basilio. He is just trying to make himself useful to the Count. Because the Count can bestow good things on him if he's mm. doing what the Count wants him to do. Right. Yeah. So, so the Count does ultimately emerge from his hiding place. And, um, and that is after Susanna gets angry at Basilio um, and and she gets angry at him and um, she says he he he's impugning her good nature and so let's listen to what the Count has to say oh actually we are listening to what the Count has to say this is um, what do I hear cosa sento um, and it's about what he's heard Quello che io ti dicea, dici per non sentir quanto tu 
Scusatemi, niente. E voi restate qui, picciol serpente. Saggezza il primo frutto oggi noi coglierem, le nostre nozze si son già stabilite, ora voi tocca costei che un vostro dono gli vada servo, coprir di questa simbolo d'onesta, candida vesca. Diabolica astuzia, a fingere conviene. Son grado amici ad un senso si onesto, ma non verto per questo ne primuti nell'odi. E un dritto ingiusto nei miei feudi a volendo a natura al dover lor dritti io rendo. Prima, prima, prima! Okay, so the plot thickens here. It, the, the, the action comes fast and furious. <laughs> so um, we'll do a little opera helmet action here. Yeah. And I'll try and figure out what's going on. Okay. So... Um, Terabino is the young boy, and he, all the ladies love him, and the Countess is kind of sweet on him, Countess Almaviva, and he is definitely sweet on the Countess. Very sweet on the Countess. And he's making eyes at her over dinner, and this Basilio character is coming in saying, Susanna, you gotta rein in Terabino because he's making eyes at the Countess, and that's not gonna do anybody any good. Right. And Susanna's like, Basilio, why are you meddling? Just keep, you know, mind your own business. Right. And he's like, well, I'm just trying to help things because Cherubino wrote this note for the Countess and the Count found it. And so then the Count says, well, screw that. I'm sending you away. You're going to join the military in Seville. And Cherubino's like, okay. Well, he first have we have choice. to talk about how uh, Cherubino, remember, is hiding, sitting on the chair yeah. with his legs drawn up, hiding underneath his dress that's been draped yes. over him. Yeah. He's draped over himself. Um, and and it's, it's funny because they're talking about like... Looking, Basilio is is talking, and the count are talking about looking around for troublemaker, and and he explains how they looked under every table and every tablecloth, and in illustrating like the story, what he's doing, he lifts up the dress on this chair, and there's Cherubino. <laughs> it's Oops. hysterica. Oops, wrong place, wrong time. And 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 Susanna's like, oh no, oh dear, <laughs> it's Oops. not going well. <laughs> and and um. And it's hysterical because in talking to Cherubino, Cherubino goes, oh, honestly, I tried as hard as I could not to listen to what you all were talking about. 
And there, here, they, and I found this fascinating when I watched this. We get this line from Facilio, you know, impugning all women and their tendency towards infidelity. And he says, all pretty women are the same. Or he says, Così fan tutte le belle. Right, which is, is like a, a foreshadowing for the next opera. Well, the one, yeah, almost the next, but but an opera to follow shortly hereafter. Which is Cosi Fantuti. Which is Cosi Fantuti. So the line shows up here. Um, interesting, right? Because it's it's the same librettist, as you know. Yes. And so now they're like, Turbino, you got to go away to war. And so this next aria is Figaro saying, uh, all right, Turbino, you got to suck it up. Now you're not going to be able to bother the ladies night and day pressing lovesick butterfly. Yes, but it's actually nice to mention um, the chorus that we heard singing a a short time ago. They are singing in praise of the Count in general because he has ended the Doit de Seigneur that first night. Yes. They are, they, so he gets praise from the entire community for being a good guy. For being a good guy. Even though he's secretly trying to put the moves on Susanna. Yes, he says his his generous heart preserves intact the chastity of the fairest flower. So there, there's this public pressure for him to keep his word. I mean, not that the the group in general is suspicious of him. I don't think. Well, who knows? Um, but I think that's worth mentioning here that the entire castle, the entire area, is singing his praises. Right, like oh, he's such a great guy. Oh, we need to listen to and now Figaro's aria. Figaro's like, okay, Turbino, get out of here. You got to go be in the military. Let's listen to Figaro.
Well, hooray, Figaro. He's he's totally psyching uh, psyching up Cherubino for his his job. Military duty. Quite a nice tune, that, don't you think? I like that one. Yeah, it was good. It was really good. Um, well, that ends the first act. Yes. And Figaro's kind of happy that Cherubino's gone and or, or supposed to go away to military duty. Well, Cherubino, the girl crazy thing that he is, is seems to spend a lot of time with Susanna. Although it's it's just this, you know, she becomes this friend and confidant. You right. know, we can see that, but you can understand jealousy on the part of Figaro here. Well, he, I mean, anytime there's another uh, person that might win the affections of a member of the opposite sex, they become a little bit of a rival. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, so uh, by the way, this is the second act, but this is not a two-act opera. This, this is, a, is a long, I mean, it's not long, but there's a lot, there's just a lot that, I, and it's one day. It's one day, densely plotted, with lots of twists and turns. Um, so this is the second of four acts. So. And act two begins with Cherubino uh, talking about going away, basically. He's saying... No, that was that's the end of act... Act two begins with... Um, uh, with the Contessa oh, right. and Susanna having a little girl time That's together. That's true. Now, Susanna, just to be clear, Susanna is her servant. She's the lady's maid. Yes. The number one lady's maid for the Contessa. Yes. Um, but they do confide in each other. There's a little sisterhood going on between these two women. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of yeah. like in uh, Norma. Yeah. Although Sisters let's... before misters. <laughs> well, yes, although arguably more so in this show. Let's listen to this one because this is right. the Contessa's well, this first, introduction. This first Contessa right now is singing by herself, and she's just letting us know that she truly loves her husband. And and his love has faded. Yes, the and scoundrel. And makes her very sad. But she loves him. So this is the Contessa singing, Cavatina, Porgi Amor, My Love is Gone, uh, in... La Noce de Figaro by Mozart on 89.1 KHOL, opera for everyone.
Well, she truly loves her husband. This is the Countess. Poor the, poor the Countess. Poor the Countess. It's Rosina. Her name, Rosina? Her the name Countess. is Rosina. She's the one that figure in the prior play, um, but we know in the background, she's the one who Figaro assisted the Count to win mm-hmm. away from Bartolo, who still harbors a grudge, mm-hmm. which is why he's helping Marceline. You see the complexity here. <laughs> Mozart loves these plays with all these different people in love with each other and maneuvering. Oh, yeah. Well, well, I suppose it's uh, Lorenzo del Ponte. Yes. Not necessarily Mozart, but... But but it allows for a lot of um, interesting artistic work to be done. And also humor. And also humor, because they... they, I mean, the whole thing with the chair is is a wonderful sight gag. And and now we have... um, So the Countess, we've just established for all of us... Yes, she said, oh, That she dearly loves her husband. Bring some relief to my sorrow, to my sighs. Give me back my loved one, or in mercy let me die. See, that's that's pretty profound, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Susanna comes in, and, um, and they confide in each other. And the Countess tells Susanna, oh, he's like all modern husbands, compulsively unfaithful, naturally headstrong, and jealous, out of pride. And she says, well, Susanna, if Figaro loves you, perhaps he could, and you know she's going to say he could be a true husband. And then we hear, la, 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 and Figaro enters. So it's the three of them in the room together. Um, and, and this is where the plot is born. And this is where the plot is born. And Figaro says, um, you know, I'm a little concerned because my lord has taken a fancy to my bride. So and he, the countess is like, tell me about it. And he says, so he wants to reinstate in secrecy the feudal droit de seigneur. Um, and, he, and he's, you know, this is... Mm-hmm. He's sharing this with the wife of the man who's trying to reinstate this old right. feudal right. And, um, and and he says, yes, it's possible and natural. Possible and natural, say Susanna and the Countess. He says, absolutely. Well, if Susanna agrees anyway, it's absolutely possible. So here he is. Figural. He's doubting his bride. Um, Susanna's like, well, stop talking nonsense, you silly man. Um but but he says, well, you know, it, it could happen. Um, and he says, and besides, uh, you know, he's got a certain um, leverage over us all because, you know, part of the, the responsibilities of a lord is the deciding of disputes. And so he gets to be the arbiter of this claim that Marcelina has oh, right, on Figaro. Yeah. So, yeah. So he says, he says, well, he's he's threatening to protect Marcelina's interests, which would mean that Figaro could not marry Susanna, he would have to marry Marcelina. Um, and and, and Sus- she's much older than him. Oh, yeah, she's much older. In fact... She's like 20 years older. Yeah, yeah. No, he he kind of dismisses her when she first shows up. It's like, oh, that old servant. You know, right. No good, no good. So the three of them hatch a plan. I mean, it's Figaro's plan, but the, the ladies are in on it. Um, what is the plan? And so the plan is this, Figaro says. All right. You go tell, he says this to Susanna, you go tell the Count at once that you'll meet him this evening in the garden. Young Cherubino, who, on my instructions, has still not left. He's, you know, he's got this post for the military, but he he hasn't left yet. He's still hanging around. Still hanging around. He says, young Cherubino, we will dress him up as a woman, and we will send him in your place. To seduce the Count. So that. To trick him. Yeah, you know, the dim lights in the garden and all that. Well, and it's opera. It's opera. 
And right? like a mustache counts as a disguise. Oh, always, always the case. Always the case. And so they're going to trick him by using Cherubino as a ploy. Poor Cherubino. Poor Cherubino. Well, I think you're going to have to wait for the second half. You're listening to 89.1 KHOL, and this is Opera for Everyone. You're listening to Opera for Everyone, a radio show and podcast that makes opera understandable, accessible, and enjoyable for a mainstream audience. It airs Sundays from 9 to 11 a.m. Mountain Time on 89.1 KHOL in Jackson, Wyoming. KHOL is Wyoming's only community radio station. Opera for Everyone is hosted by me, Keely Heron. And me, Pat Wright. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. And like our Facebook page, Opera for Everyone, where you can also send us a message. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. And we hope you enjoy the second half of today's episode. Oh, such an interesting plot here with the marriage of Figaro. It's so confusing. Well, that's part of the fun, I think. There's a lot of plots going on. I can't keep them all straight. Lot. Well, so uh, Figaro has just hatched that plot with the Countess mm-hmm. and Susanna. To, to trick the Count. To trick the Count by dressing Cherubino up as a woman. As a lady. As a woman. And so um, the parts that we're not going to get to listen to. By the way, I recommend anyone who wants to just pull this up in whatever fashion they can to listen to. Just listen to the whole show straight mm. through, start to finish. There's just it's good music. It's good music. It's really good music. Beautiful singing. The whole thing. It's it's a lot of fun. But and if you do that after listening to us, you'll know the story. <laughs> right. And we should say that you're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. Opera for Everyone. One, one, one. And on today's episode of Opera for Everyone, we are listening to The Marriage of Figaro. By Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Mozart. And I'm Keely Heron. And I'm Pat Wright. And we are your hosts on today's musical journey. We are so glad you were with us. What we're, fun this is. We're such opera nerds, Pat. We, I don't care. Which we like entertainment. We, opera. We like music. We like interesting people. Opera flair don't care. <laughs> mm-hmm. You always put things in a way that I would never think to. <laughs> well... I got to make up for my lack of historical and opera knowledge somehow, Pat. You, you do. I, you know, this is part of We're all learning here. We're you know, all learning. Can I tell a short story? Absolutely. So I used to race sailboats. Yeah. And I got on this boat and we were becalmed and racing stopped. And so we were all practicing our knot tying. Uh-huh. And at that moment, I, I could not tie a bowling knot, which is like the most important knot. Yes. And the captain said, and how exactly did you get on my boat without knowing how to tie a bullet? And I went, uh, charm? I talked my way into it. Charm. Here you go. Charm. Well, you can get a lot of places with charm, Kelly. You can. You, you can. absolutely can. I've All built right. a career on it. Well, speaking of charm, we have some charming characters charming. in this show. <laughs> so, Cherubino, just to remind everyone, Cherubino is the young man. Mm-hmm. He's, um, thanks to the Count, he's received his commission to be an officer. Um, helps to be, you know, well-connected here. Mm-hmm. Um, Cherubino is hopelessly uh, besotted in love with the Countess. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, he sings her a quite lovely um, song to display that. 
Um, but they've hatched this plot where they're going to dress Cherubino up as a woman mm-hmm. to impersonate Susanna, mm-hmm. telling the Count that mm-hmm. he gets to meet Susanna and he's going to be all randy and ready for that. Jittery. Yeah. And so they, they sing the song and dress up Cherubino in... Uh, Which is a quite a comical little scene. Right. Well, and let's remember, of course, even though Cherubino is the character Cherubino is a young man, he is played by a woman. It's a trousers role. Right. So, you know, you've got this fun little twist where it's a woman dressed up in men's clothing playing a man being dressed up as a woman, as a woman to pretend to be a woman. I mean, there's just fun right there in that. I'm so confused. <laughs> oh, you're not. You're fine. Um, so they they have a lot of fun dressing him up because it's always fun to dress someone up. And he's just so, you know, he adores both he's of cute. them. He's cute. So he he doesn't object He doesn't mind because he's getting the attention. Yes, yes. And he's and he's just, you know, he's always looking for the the countess to show him affection and attention. He's like, look, I cut my finger. Oh. I have your ribbon and I... And I patched up my wound with your ribbon. And uh, she's like, yeah, that's that's great. Um, <laughs> because remember, she's in love with her husband. You know, how novel is that? Um, but uh, so they're all doing this. And um, the count comes to the door. And oh, no. Cherubino, now what's going to happen? Cherubino has to hide himself. There's so much hiding. Everybody's hiding. And does he go behind the chair? No, he goes in the closet. He goes in the closet this time. Um, and locks it behind him. But how does Susanna get in the closet? We're not there yet. Okay, okay. She will. I'll okay, t- and I will. I will make sure everyone knows. How so the she count does. comes in. Susanna's there with the countess. Yep. Susanna's there with the countess, and although Susanna, pretty sh- in pretty short order, has to leave and do something. I can't quite remember what the pretext for that is. But anyway, the count comes in, and the count count is. Like, there's someone hiding in the closet. You're acting weird. What's going on? You know, and he already knows about the whole chair trick, so he checks that. Uh, <laughs> and he, he goes to look in the closet, and it's locked. And he's like, uh, would you please unlock your closet, madam? She's like, don't you trust me? Mm. He's like, no, I don't. Mm-mm. And and he says, well, I'll get the servants to open it. And she says, think of the scandal. You want the servants to think you suspect your wife? He goes, Fine. I'll go get some tools and I'll open it myself. I'll do it myself. I'll do it myself. And and he grabs Gosh. her and he um and meanwhile, by the way, in the midst of all this argument, Susan Susanna, unbeknownst to both of them, has re-entered the room and but she like realizes they're arguing. And so she, she kind of hides herself behind the the dressing screen or whatever is handy. And um And then while they're arguing. Well, no, they what happens is the count is like, okay, but I don't trust you at all. And he makes sure every door to that room is locked. And he locks it all before they go off to get the tools and come back. Susanna is in the room and she's heard all this. And so she goes to the closet door and says, Cherubino, it's me. Let me in. Susanna, quick, you need to come out. Because, of course, Cherubino could hear all this going mm-hmm. on. And he knows that pretty much the count would murder him if mm-hmm. he found him there. Mm-hmm. So Susanna, oh, by the way, the countess has said, oh, it's Susanna in the closet. But, you know, she knows it's a bald face lie. She, right. and, she's, and he's like, well, show me. Show, show her to me. And she's like, well, you can't go in. She's getting dressed in her wedding gown. She has no, she's not decent. Right. Oh. That's improper. Um, so she's made up this little lie, which turns out to be quite convenient. <laughs> when the count leaves and locks all the doors with the countess to go get the tools to break down the door, Susanna gets Charbino out of the closet. He jumps out of the window. And he jumps out of the window so he's not in the room anymore. And Susanna goes in the closet mm-hmm. so that she 
can Safe make, sound. make come true what the mistress said about mm-hmm. her. Um, so they come back in, mm-hmm. and finally the count relents, countess relents and says, all right, all right, all right. I was lying. Cherubino's in there. But it's not what you think. It's okay. It's it's very pure. It's it's fine. It's all innocent. Yeah. We weren't smooching or anything. No, no. It's, it's fine. And sure enough, when they open the closet door, Susanna comes right. out. But meanwhile, I think we actually need to listen to a lovely, lovely piece here. It's this lovely duet that is sung by Susanna and Cherubino, and where she says, open the door quickly, open the door quickly. Yes. So this is Aprite Presto, Apriti, on La Nota de Figaro, on 89.1 KHOL, opera for everyone. Okay, well, so we've got Susanna's out of the closet, literally, uh, <laughs> not figuratively. Cherubino she, jumped out of the window. Cherubino jumped out of the window. You kind of heard that when she screamed, right? And then Antonio, the gardener, came in, didn't he? Um, momentarily, is that, he, is, he okay. emerges. But um, the song that we're going to listen to next, the one we're going to set you up for here, is um, my lords, the musicians, are already outside. So, you know, this is the wedding day after yes, all. Yes, they're getting ready to get married. Yes, and there's this lovely little bit that Figaro sings um, in this that says, well, let's give us all a happy ending, as is usual in the theater. You know, wink, wink. Uh, we will proceed now to the matrimonial tableau. 
So, you know, it's it's this wonderful little self-conscious, like, okay, you know, we're pretending to be these characters, but we know we're in the theater and we know you're all, like, getting ready for a marriage because, after all, it's it's comic here. Right. And that's what you have. You, you have a marriage. Um, but not so fast because now Antonio comes oh, in. Oh, now Antonio comes in. And he's the gardener. Mm-hmm. And tell us about Antonio. He's kind of a drunk. Uh, but he's beloved. Mm-hmm. They love him. Mm-hmm. And he saw somebody uh, jump out the window, and he's all mad because they trampled his flowers. <laughs> so usually when they do this, he walks around with these trampled flowers, sad-looking flowers in his arms. <laughs> he's like, this is no good. This is no good. And and he's pretty sure it's Cherubino. But he can't be sure because he may have been... Well, how could it be Cherubino? Because Cherubino's off... And his military service. Oh. And he's like, no, I don't think so. I don't think Cherubino is off. So, you know. <laughs> so Figaro says, no, it was me. Oh, right. Figaro, <laughs> Figaro is like, no, it was me. And then suddenly he's like, well, that was a long fall. And so Figaro instantly starts limping. Right. Which is pretty comical, too. And so we're having we're having kind of an interesting time watching our various so much characters. So happening in such a short period of time. Yes, yes. Um, and in fact, there were some papers that fell out when this fellow jumped out the window. And Antonio says, oh, well, these papers must be yours. Did you lose them? Um, and Figaro's like, oh, oh, this is not going too well. And was that the note that Cherubino had written to the Countess saying, I love you, I love you? There's so many different things going on. There's I don't even remember. Little notes that are going on here. It's it's kind of crazy, but um, Figaro can't really keep up the pretense. But he's he's trying, um, and he opens the papers. The count opens the papers, and he went, "Oh no!" Or sorry, sorry. He opens them up, and the countess turns to Susanna because they're in cahoots. She's like, "Oh no! It's the page's commission." <gasps> Oh, it's his commission. So this is Cherubino's commission, which he would need to have with him in order to actually go off on his military service. Right. Sort of proving that he maybe hasn't left the grounds yet. Right. Oh. And then Figaro, like, tries to... Tries to... Cover. Cover and say, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. He he gave those to me. Cherubino For gave me his keeping. commission. Well, because they lack the official seal. Oh. To make it proper. You know, just like you need a raised seal on yeah. legal documents. Embossed or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So he, it's, you know, so he's like, oh, no, 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 this is all, this is all on the up and up. I didn't just think of it this on my feet this very second. <laughs> so. So now is this before they're, they're, all of this is happening before uh, Figaro says the, the musicians are here? Or is that after? This is, he says they're here, and then all, all of this, this stuff transpires. Happens. Yes, yes. And now we have another another little bit of um, intrigue when more characters will show up on the scene. But let's listen a little bit to this, um, the musicians are here, which we've just talked through. Okay. And then this, so this is uh, Signori di Fuori, gentlemen, are, um, the musicians are here, and uh, this is from La Notte de Figaro. On opera for everyone. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, indeed, the plot thickens. <laughs> so who showed up, Pat? Marcelino, Bartolo, and Basilio. And you remember who they are, right? Basilio is the simpering toady. Yes. Who's also a music teacher, and he's up in everybody's business. Yes, and he's trying to ingratiate himself with the Count. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Bartolo is from, uh, he's the doctor slash lawyer. Yes. And uh, Marcelina is his... Uh, housekeeper, spinster. So he's he's uh, helping out Marcelina mm-hmm. because she claims that uh, Figaro owes her money, and if he doesn't pay her back, he needs to marry her. And he's not just helping out Marcelina to be a buddy; he's also got an old grudge against, which is referred to in this story. But he has an old grudge against both. He's got the a count bone to pick with Figaro because he the helped the Count win the heart of Rosina. Who is now the Countess, yes. Who is now the Countess, and Bartolo was in love with her. Yes, and in fact, Countess's heart does belong to the Count, even mm-hmm. though the Count has not been very attentive of late, and he's mm-hmm. chasing these other young women. Yeah, so um, Marcelina comes in, and she, she... Waving these papers. Waving these papers to the Count, who is the dispenser of justice in his realm, mm-hmm. and she's pointing to Figaro and says, that man signed a contract binding him to marry me and I contend that the contract must be carried out so this is the first Susanna's hearing about this Mm -hmm. and the count's like heck yeah heck yeah well he's like I get to render you know he's you know puffed up his chest like I am here to render judgment and Bartolo's like I am her lawyer and I say she's got legitimate cause and this whole bit is what ends act two yeah and the count is overjoyed that the wedding to Susanna oh, will yeah. be postponed. Oh, yeah. So he's, he's you know, we kind of know where he's headed with all of this. And so that ends Act 2. And we begin Act 3 uh, in the Great Hall, mm-hmm. all kitted out for a wedding. Mm-hmm. And the Count sings, what a situation this is. Um, and he goes on and on. And he kind of, re- he reminds us, you know, we've, We've all come back from our intermission break. <laughs> and he reminds us, there's an anonymous letter. There's a maid shut in a closet. My lady is confused. There's a man who leaps out the window and from the balcony and into the garden. And another one says, no, it was me, but it wasn't him. He's like, I don't know what to think. So he's doing his own little recap of mm-hmm. what's just happened in the prior He's got his act. opera helmet on. He's got his opera helmet on, so to speak. Um, but he's he's very... Confused. Um, and he says, you know, my honor, I, I can't let these people get the better of me. Um, and, and you know, and so it goes. And so it goes. 
And so we, we're going to move on here, and our next song we're going to listen to is... Um, I forget. Uh, oh, right. This is the duet between the Count and Susanna. Ah, and it's... Crudel. Perché, Finora? Like, cruel one, why have you made me wait so long? Yes, or heartless. Why until now? Let's go ahead and listen to this. This is, this is the Count and Susanna. Because remember... Susanna is going to pretend to meet up with him later, but it's going to be Cherubino dressed in the dress. Right. Or at least that's what they think at this point. <laughs> Susanna is assuring the Count here in the Marriage Mm -hmm. of Figaro. Yeah, Count. I'll meet you in the garden. I'll meet you in the garden later for a little... And she's having great fun fooling him. Mm -hmm. And he's so... He falls for it. He's he's ready to... He's a target. You know, he's he's lusting after her. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... So then what happens? So then what happens? And he uh, realizes and he overhears. Susanna the... and Figaro saying, oh, we're going to defeat the legal challenge to the marriage. Yes. And the legal challenge, meaning Marcelina's, Marcelina's claim, claim. And talking about that. And they're like, no, this is, you know, we, we're going to win this and we're going to be able to be married. And that makes the count unhappy. Right. Right. But, and and so she says something to the effect of, well, quiet, Figaro, we've won our case. Mm-hmm. So then the Count has a bit where he, he kind of hears that and he's like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Are these tricksters trying to get the better of me? He says, shall I live to see a servant 
of mine happy and enjoying pleasure that I desire in vain. So he's jealous of Figaro because Figaro's going to get Susanna. Heart, yeah. She's she's like, how is it they, well, I don't know how they, but they think they've won this case. But so then where do Marcelina and Bartolo and Basilio come back in? Um, they come back in after he has this little diatribe, like, I can't let them get the better of me. They, they re-enter. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Marcelina, um, and Figaro and Botolo enter, and, um, Don Corzio also enters. He's a minor character, um, and, but he's, he's kind of a legal expert who oh, works for the, the count. he's the judge. Yeah. And so he says, the dispute has been resolved. Figaro, you must either pay her or marry her. The contract is clear. No more to be said, done and dusted. <laughs> and he says, no, but I can't because I'm a man of honor and I haven't gotten permission from my parents. Right. And, well, it's not just that. He's like, he's like, I, I actually think I'm a, I'm a gentleman. I'm a highborn man, but I must get the consent of my parents. And they're like, you're a servant. You're no highborn man. He goes like, oh, no, 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 no. I was found near a castle. So I, mu-, you know, when I was a, an infant... I was found near a castle, and Bartolo goes, you're a foundling? He goes, well, I'm not exactly a foundling. I was stolen, doctor. And Marcelina says, what? What are you talking about? And Bartolo's like, do you have any proof? Any evidence, asks the judge. And he says, well, when I was a baby, um, there were robbers, and um, of my noble birth? Well, take a look at this birthmark on my arm. And Marcelina grows faint. She goes, does it look like a spatula? And is it on your right arm? And Figaro's, who, who told you? And she swoons. Oh, my goodness. It's him. My son. And she realizes it's Raffaello, which was the name she had given her infant son. So this woman who's desperate to marry Figaro turns out she's the mother. Crazy. So that's going to get him out of that particular bind, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wonderful. Saved she, by the spatula. And they're saved by the spatula birthmark. And then she gestures to Bartolo, you know, who, who's been in cahoots to try to, you know, get revenge on Figaro. Mm-hmm. So the, and she says, and there is your father. So now you can get permission. So the man who was trying to get revenge on him, suddenly it's his father. And so that turns out to be very handy for Figaro, getting him out of a world of trouble. Done and dusted. Yeah, yeah. And so we have this wonderful sextet here. Where everybody's singing. It's it's so fun. It's so fun. And, and they're all happy except for the Count. Count's not happy. Um, he's just like, what is going on? I'm like completely, I'm completely at a loss. I am not in control. I'm supposed to be in charge here. So he's unhappy, but... Marcelina has found her long-lost son, which arguably makes her happier than getting to marry this young man that she fancied, who turns out to be her son. Let's not think yeah. about that too much. And he owes her a bunch of money, but he's like, she's, now she's like, that's okay. You're my son. I'll forgive you the debt. So that, again, turns out to be very handy for Figaro. So let's listen to this one. So this is a sextet, and it's called Riconosci in questo amplesa. Recognize in this embrace on Opera for Everyone. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so the sextet is super fun, isn't it? With all everybody's those voices? all happy, all except the count, stuff, except for the count, and the countess is a little lovelorn still. But we've got the um, we've got the resolution of Figaro's biggest problem, his debt, which is his so, debt, and he's uh, found parents, and this woman's off his back because she gets to be in his life because she's his mother, mm-hmm. and not only that, she's pointed out his the father to him. Right. And and a wonderful thing happens during the course of this song. Marcelina falls back in love with Bartolo, the father of her child, Figaro. And she says, it'll be a double wedding. It'll be a double wedding. How romantic. How romantic. And then she says, take back this promissory note. Yeah. He's like, your debts are forgiven. I'm your mom. And here now it's your dowry. And, and then everybody throws in all this money. Susana and Bartolo and uh, Marcelina are all throwing in money. And then Susana is happy. And Bartolo's happy. And Marcelina is happy. And the Count is still bummed out. But then they all leave. And then Barbarina and Cherubino enter. Yes, and you remember Barbarino's little young. Yeah, she's kind of a young, innocent, kind of maybe not super bright daughter of Antonio the gardener. And right. so they, they come on the stage and Barbarina says, let's go, Cherubino, and all the pretty girls in the castle are at my house mm-hmm. and you will be the prettiest of all because apparently he's still de- dressed as a girl. And But the Count still thinks that Cherubino has left, but Barbarina says, oh, it doesn't matter and we can hide you and we can be together because you're dressed like a girl. Yes, so you're easy to hide when you're dressed like a girl and so convincingly. Because <laughs> you are a girl dressed like a boy playing the role of a boy, but now dressed up like a girl. Which is why he can be convincing as right. a woman. Yeah, and so and so we carry on with our with our very complex plot, and uh, Antonio, remember our gardener, mm-hmm. comes in and and he didn't like being said that like he didn't see what he thought he saw, which was Cherubino. He didn't like the fact that Figaro had tried to say no, it was me. He's like, I've I have proof. I have a hat. This is Cherubino's hat. This proves he's still here. Because just like you don't leave without your papers, you don't leave without your hat. Mm-mm. Goodness, no. Um, and so then what happens? <laughs> so we've got the, the Countess here. In fact, we're going to pull up a lovely song uh, with the Countess. And I love this Susanna. one. It's a nice one, right? It, this one gets played quite a bit, too. Tell us the name of this one. Que suave zeferretto. Uh, this is uh, uh, the Countess and Susanna. Um yeah. Okay. Oh, here. Yes, yes, yes. It, it, I understand. I was confused for a second because it begins with Sul. Cosa minare, then Que suave zeferetto. Yeah. So a zephyr is a, 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 is a type of wind. Yes. Common in uh, the Mediterranean well. area. Very nice. And uh, so gentle little zephyr say Sularia, Que suave zeferetto. And uh, on the breeze, what a gentle little zephyr. 
Um, and it's the Countess and uh, Susanna. Um, and this is often called the letter duet. Let's listen. Okay, so before we get into that, we need to move the plot along to talk about how Susanna 
and the Countess are now plotting together, and Figaro is not in on this plot. Which is also going to explain why you referred to this as the letter duet. Right. And so it's it's kind of, it's been playing underneath. And one point that I wanted to make is yes. that there is a film that prominently features this duet. It's a lovely duet. What film is that? The Shawshank Redemption. Wow. So this is the this is the part of the film where Andy Dufresne is in the warden's office mm-hmm. and the guard is uh, in the bathroom and, and Andy Dufresne has, has built up a, a fair amount of trust with, you know, all the staff at the prison. So um, Andy decides to take this moment of uh, freedom, essentially, to go through the warden's uh, albums and, and he puts on... Uh, this album, a recording of this, and begins to play uh, the letter duet over the loudspeaker, and it results in him getting two years or two months, two weeks, sorry, in solitary confinement. But it it brings the the prison to a standstill with the beauty of the of the voices. Wow! And um, do you want to talk more about that, or should we? I mean. Basically, so the letter duet just kind of, it, it's its the two women hatching this plot. And it's fun to see, or to, to, to have your antenna up to notice when these bits of opera show up powerfully in other bits of popular art, popular culture, that can be enjoyed by people who don't necessarily consider themselves opera lovers. Part of our mission, opera for everyone. Like if you're in prison. You can listen to opera. Yeah, or if you're out to see a movie that's, you know... Got a prison mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. So they've hatched... The, and when this letter they're writing is the letter uh, that Susanna... In which Susanna requests a meeting with a the Count. with the Count. Um, again, but this time it's not going to be... We've, we've discarded the idea that Cherubino is going to try to fool him. Now it's going to be the two ladies switching right. clothes... So Susanna will dress up as the Countess. The Countess will dress up as Susanna. And then the Count's own wife, dressed as Susanna, will appear in the garden and lure him into uh, revealing himself as an adulterer because he thinks she's Susanna. Yeah, and that's super fun for her, right? Kind of. Well, because she gets to sort of go, gotcha. So that's fun. <laughs> Always, I would think it would be kind of. I would. Uh, it's a little weird, right? Because he thinks he's he thinks he's saying sweet words to Susanna, but right. But this is this is the uh, this is the the idea. So um, Barbarina appears. Barbarina is the person who the two women have elected to deliver the note yes. to the count, and yes. they've sealed it with a pin that is recognizable as Susanna's. Yes, and it's interesting. When Susanna does encounter the Count, she says, Your Excellency, remember, she's a young, very young woman. Uh, You have said to me so often when you hug me and kiss me, Barbarina, if you love me, you can have anything you like. So she's reminding him that he's been affectionate towards her. Uh And um, she's saying, I want to call in that debt. He's like, well, what do you want? And what does she want? Cherubino. She wants Cherubino. He says, yes, my lord, please give me Cherubino in marriage. And if you do, 
I love you like I love my kitten. I love that line. <laughs> well, that's kind of weird. Well, she's a young she's girl. She's little. She's young. Yeah, she's young. She's young, and she quite fancies Cherubino. And, um, you know, and the Count is just mad at Cherubino because he thinks Cherubino is up to mischief with his wife, although he can't quite put his finger on it. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so, you know, Figaro comes in. And um, Figaro says, you know, Figaro lets them know that, you know, this is kind of getting to be a mess, ladies. And um, and what's our next song? Well, it's where Barbarina is in the garden and she's, um, she encounters uh, Figaro, right? She runs into Figaro and he's like, what is this letter? Yes. Well, before that, even though it's worth mentioning, there's, again, just a little bit here we'll talk through with um, where these, there's there's a big gathering because it's they're getting ready for the weddings. Oh, right. Yeah. The double weddings, remember now. Right. Um, and there are um, two women, two young girls of the chorus remind us again of the fact that the Count has taken back, you know, has rescinded... The rights of Prima Lotta. Right. The Le droit de Seigneur. Right, right. And so they sing, Faithful lovers, zealous in honor, sing the praises of such a wise master. Which again, puts them in this funny position. They're praising him for doing the right thing, which Even is a though... va- way of reminding him do the right thing. Right. Right? Renouncing a right that insults and offends, he renders you spotless to your lovers. So they're reminding everyone about this. All right. Then, act four. Dun, dun, dun. Barbarina has um, has lost the pin, which was given to her, sealing the letter, and she was yes. supposed to return the pin back. Um, shall we listen to Barbarina's song here? So this is Barbarina in The Barber of Seville by Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. This is Lo Perduta Me Mesquina. I've lost the pin on Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL.
Barbarina, cosa hai? Non perdono il cugino. Cosa? Cosa? La spilla che le diremo il drone per cava Susanna. A Susanna la spilla. E così tenerella il mestiero già sai. Di far tutto si ben quel che tu fai. Cos'è? Fai me coi E non vedi che io scherzo? Osserva! Questa è la spilla che il conte la ricarichi ieri alla Susanna. All right, so as Barbarina is lamenting the lost pin, Figaro comes in and he asks her, why are you so upset? Mm -hmm. And she explains. I lost my pin. Well, I delivered Susanna's letter to the Count and the pin was there. The master gave it to me to return to Susanna. And Figaro says, Susanna, her pin? What do you mean? And Barbarina's like, what? Why? Why are you upset with me? And he kind of hides it. And he says, oh, I'm just joking. No big deal. Um, he had found the pin himself, as it happens. Um, and he says, here, here you go. Return this to Susanna. Um, and and she says, I- I'm confused. What, what's wrong with you? Um, and he says, well, I'm just curious to know, why did his lordship give you this errand with this letter? And she says, well... I was just helping out Susanna. And um, and so here's where Figaro well and truly suspects Susanna. Of being in love with the Count. Of getting ready to betray him. So whether or not the Count has rescinded the Primenotti rights, if Susanna wishes to be with him and he wishes to be with her, then Figaro is, is made a fool of mm-hmm. or cuckold. So this is this is not Figaro's upset at this point. Um, enter Marcelina, and she's she just jumps into this role of mother with right. both feet and instantly, and she's like, "Be calm, my son. Be calm. It's all going to work out. You still don't know." This is great that she says this. You still don't know who's tricking whom, and he says, "But mother, the pin—it's proof." He goes, she says to him, "Well." That's true, and it might look suspicious, but you really don't know what's going on. So again, the the women are looking a little wiser than the men on balance here. Mm-hmm. Um, and Figaro says, okay, all right, if you're right, then I must be very crafty. I need to be at the place of the assignation. Uh, and he's like going to about to leave. And and where are you going? And Figaro says, I'm going to avenge all husbands. <laughs> so we kind of have the men lined up against the women. Right. All trying to bet, get the better of one kind another. Kind of like Fantuti. Well, in, in a different way, but yes. <laughs> and Marcelina sings this wonderful, wonderful song. And she says, oh, I must warn Susanna. Again, sisterhood here. Right. She says, I, I believe her to be innocent. She doesn't have any proof at this point. She just thinks, even this guy who's her son that she loves, she thinks he's he's just too quick to suspect her. Mm-hmm. So she, Marceline says, I must warn Susanna. She's so sweet. She's so sweet. She says, and when, and I like this bit, and when we are not obsessed with self-interest, every woman will march to the defense of her own sex against ungrateful men. Kind of interesting. And so there's a wonderful little piece um, that she sings. And and she goes on to say, Only we poor women who love our menfolk so are treated by these beaux so cruelly and without cause. 
So she doesn't have any evidence, but she's she's taken Susanna's side. Right. <laughs> and there, it's funnily or whatever. Um, it's the the name of the aria is Il Capro y la Capreta, which is the billy goat and the she goat. And she's saying how, you know, the the in the animal world, it all works out. It all works out. And yet as humans, we just do all these goofy things and hurt each other. But in, in with animals, they just kind of get on with things and they're yeah. happy. Yeah, they don't. They don't. When we're be, all betray each other and scheme against yeah. each other. This this show is full full of schemes and plots. Yes, <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. So we're going to come up to an aria by Figaro here, which is which is a lot of fun. Um, and he's he's just getting ready to see the plot played out. Remember, he's going to go to the, the site of the assignation, the infamous right. garden. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in his aria, he's going to tell us, it's always madness to trust a woman. Open your eyes for a moment, you rash and foolish men, and look at these women. Look at what they are. You call them goddesses with your befuddled senses and pay them tribute with your weakened mind. They are w- minds. They are witches who work spells to make you miserable, sirens who sing to make you drown, screech owls who lure you, to pluck out your feathers. And he goes on and on, this diatribe against Because he women. thinks that Susanna's really going to cheat on him. Well, he's got proof, doesn't right, he? Right, There yeah, was a this, letter that note. was delivered. From, now, of course, that was the letter where the countess... Dictated to Susanna because she she's going to dress up as Susanna to, you know, show her husband what's right, what. to catch him. To catch him. Um, so there's an interesting point to be made here about... Um, the original story, the original play by our old friend Beaumarchais. Oh, right, yeah. That we talked about some time ago in the beginning of the uh, the discussion of this opera. And part of the reason that this play was banned for a period of time um, is that it's very, as you can see already, it's very critical of the aristocracy. Um, right, yep. And, and you know, P.S., this is in the t- period of time which is leading up to what we know is going to happen as the French Revolution, which is a a major challenge and successful for a time to the rights of the aristocracy. That is that is the big movement in Europe which kicks off um, lots and lots of efforts by the non-aristocratic, you know, predominantly the people just below the aristocracy trying to get greater rights. But a little bit of that also benefits the lowest classes. Um, so in the original play, there's a bit here um, where Beaumarchais writes, How came you to be the rich and mighty Count Almaviva? Why truly you gave yourself the trouble to be born, while the obscurity in which I have been cast demanded more abilities to gain a mere subsistence than are requisite to govern empires. So he's saying it's much harder to be a poor person and just survive. This is Figaro saying this, by the way. Um, I I did so much more. Um, And what, most noble count, are your claims to distinction, to pompous titles and immense wealth, of which you are so proud and which, by accident, you possess? So he's saying there's nothing that special about being aristocratic. It's just good luck. Mm -hmm. No particular skills. takes a lot more skills to survive as a poor person. Mm -hmm. What are your virtues, your wisdom, your generosity, your justice? So the highly, highly, like, dead-on critical of the aristocracy. Well, de Ponte knew that that was a little too inflammatory. 
a little too hard-hitting. So instead, the diatribe that Figaro delivers is against a much softer target, a much easier target that no one's going to get upset about. Women. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he rails against the women. Interesting, huh? I think so. Absolutely. I think so. Well, anyway, shall we listen to uh, Figaro's aria? Yes. So this is uh, Tutto e Disposto, Aprite un po' che loki. Something about hearing something. Everything is ready. The hour must be near. So he knows that the plot is about to unfold. Oh, right. On opera for everyone. The Marriage of Figaro. Comincio mai a fare il simonito mestiero di marito. Ingrata è il momento della mia cerimonia che godeva leggendo e nel vederlo io rideva di me senza saperlo. Oh, Susanna! Well, Figaro's expressing his displeasure with the, the supposed infidelity of women or the lack of trustworthiness that he perceives. Um, and here we are in the garden. Susanna is dressed up as the Countess. The Countess is dressed up as Susanna. Yes. and uh, Figaro doesn't know that this is the plan. He's just sat there singing about how horrible women are. That's right. That's right. And uh, Figaro comes onto the scene, and uh, this is almost impossible to make any sense of reading a libretto or listening only, you even if you spoke it, perfect there's Italian. There's so much going on. You've got to see it because there's all sorts of people singing all sorts of things, some of which some, some are hidden, the, and some can hear, some can't hear. You know, there's opera magic that goes on when you can sing in full voice, but people six feet away from you can't hear. Right. <laughs> right. That happens. And speaking of opera magic, we have more of this uh, dressing up going on. Right. And I'm going to be totally fooled, even though you're my wife, I'm not going to know that it's you because right. you've got a little fan over your face. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Although there's a little twist in this one. Um, so he comes out and he's he's kind of upset and he sees um, 
Susanna. Who he thinks is Susanna. No, he sees Susanna, who is dressed as the Countess. The Count sees Susanna or the Figaro sees Susanna? Figaro does. So Figaro sees who he thinks is the Countess, but it's actually his wife. No, my mistake. He sees the Countess. Dressed as Susanna. Who is dressed as Susanna. And And he thinks it's Susanna. Yeah, yeah. And Susanna goes, oh, I'm going to pay him back. Mm-hmm. He's, I'm going to have a little fun with my dearly beloved husband, Figaro. And so she's like, he was suspicious of me. I am going to make him look like such a fool. Um, and so he, um, she sings to him in the guise of the countess and tries to, you know, convince him of the the beautiful night and how everything is going to be utterly lovely. Um, And Countess continues to, or sorry, Figaro continues to be upset with Susanna. Susanna. Because Susanna's singing and they're both on stage, but Susanna's hiding and the Countess is there and it seems like she might be singing. And then Cherubino shows up just to complicate matters. (laughs) And Cherubino is trying to seduce the Countess. Because he's still in love with the Countess, even though he's also in love with Barbarina. De- well, he's in love with really anyone. Anybody, pay, yeah. You know. Anybody but, with a but pulse. The, but the most enduring... <laughs> any female with a pulse. But the most enduring affection is, is in fact, for the Countess. And, you know, we, we basically have this just wonderful thing going on with all these people together, confused. Sounds like just a normal day for me. Oh, yeah. Well, it's it's the great conclusion of it all. Turns out, in the midst of Susanna singing, and where she believes that Figaro believes it's the Countess, Figaro, in fact, does recognize her voice. Shock of shocks. Mm -hmm. He recognizes her voice, and they then are in on the joke, and they get to watch what happens when the Count tries to seduce Susanna, who is, in fact, the Countess. And ultimately... Everybody is with the person that they're supposed to be with in the end, right? Yes, And everyone's happy. And everyone is happy, except the Count is kind of annoyed that he's been made a fool oops oops and that's the marriage of figaro so you've listened to another episode of opera for everyone and we're going to go out here on the the final aria of la noche de figaro called gente gente alarmi alarmi Thanks for listening to another episode of Opera for Everyone. I'm Keely Heron. And I'm Pat Wright. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud and like our Facebook page, Opera for Everyone, where you can also send us a message. We know that opera can be challenging. But everyone loves a good story. And a story set to music is even better. That's why our mission is to make Opera opera for for everyone. everyone.